0: What I've always loved about the arts is that it does bring people together and to have this shared experience and provide some really rich conversation.
1: Hello and welcome to Start Talking, an Art Gallery of Windsor podcast where we talk about everything and anything arts-related in the Windsor-Essex community.
2: I'm Michaela and I'm the Digital Initiatives Coordinator at the Art Gallery of Windsor.
1: And hi, I'm Abby Lee and I am the Audience Engagement Coordinator, uh, also at the Art Gallery of Windsor. We have a very uh, exciting guest with us on the podcast today. We have Kim Willis with us, who is the uh, Director of Communications and Mental Health Promotion at the Canadian Mental Health Association, Windsor-Essex County branch. Um, But it's also very exciting because Kim also has a podcast of her own, which is called KC Keeping It Real. So this episode is actually going to air jointly on the Art Gallery of Windsor's Start Talking podcast and Kim's podcast as well. So welcome, Kim. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for
0: having me. I'm so excited to finally uh, be having this podcast with you.
1: We're so excited too. So we'd love to hear from you, Cam, because we're going to go back and forth in this conversation today. To us, we really feel that connection and wellness and then the arts really go hand in hand. So I'm wondering from your perspective, in terms of how important connection is to wellness and how important creativity is to wellness, do you really see those factors influencing each other within the context of the CMHA.
0: In a huge way. Yes, absolutely. As human beings, we're meant to be social creatures, that sense of connection is so pivotal to our wellness and our well being, even in the last few months, as the longer the this pandemic has drawn out, I'm seeing more and more research and articles just pointing out how important that connection piece is. And just a couple weeks ago, I read an article that said isolation and loneliness at its extreme can be the equivalent of smoking Fifteen cigarettes a day. So that's how detrimental lost connections can be. And what I've always loved about the arts is that it does bring people together and have this shared experience and provide some really rich conversation. If you listen to my podcast, you know, I love movies and entertainment and, and pop culture. And, and what I love is nothing better than going to a film festival or an art exhibit. And then breaking it down afterwards with your friends or, you know, maybe even strangers, but just really talking about it and digging deep. And it's such a growth opportunity. So I think it, it plays a huge factor in our wellness. We've had to be creative in how we make those connections over the last 12 months, for sure.
2: First of all, I had no idea about that statistic relating to loneliness. I know the art gallery in our own way that we've tried to help people combat that with our programming as well online, because even if it's just for an hour or two a night, we can help people connect with others in their community who have similar interests like that too. So we can definitely appreciate having to be creative to kind of combat that during this time and, and hopefully going forward into the future as well, because introverts are eternal, pandemics will pass, but sometimes people want a connection without having to be out there in person and, you know, putting forth all of that energy that it takes to be in public.
0: Just following up on that, to your point that as much as, you know, we've lost those really important face-to-face connections, like in person, you know, sitting across from someone physically. There have been opportunities, too. I had someone on my podcast recently, Joe Perry, who runs the Windsor-Essex Compassionate Care Community, and they have this awesome schedule of all these daily things they do through Zoom, and everything from learning how to play guitar, to book clubs, to comedy nights, to movie nights. There was a session on Beethoven. I was blown away. Like I, I said to my my colleagues, I said, the next time I have a day off, I'm just going to sit there and check out these sessions because they sound so amazing. So I think through innovation, we've been able to come up with things that you normally wouldn't even have at your fingertips. I mean, nothing will replace that face-to-face and in-person connection, but these are an added piece of our toolkits that we can turn to, like you said, introverts, or just the convenience, right? I myself have also had the opportunity to attend some conferences over the last 12 months that have been free or or next to free, that have been really convenient just to sit at home and not have to have the hassle of travel and and all of those those good things. So I think, yeah, I think there's issues, but I think there's uh, opportunities as well.
1: 100%, as much as I wouldn't have wanted to discover some of these perks that we found during this time due to a pandemic, I think you're completely right. And really, in looking back at some of the things that we were doing, I think before COVID, just all of the travel and how busy everything was, and even just the time it takes to get from one place to the next if you've got a social activity or something going on. I know for myself, I'd be kind of running around my whole day from place to place. And there's a lot more time now to be able to just take a break and ground myself. Because even if I'm doing the same amount of things virtually, there's not that travel time. So I can just take that travel time. And yeah. use it to just you know decompress from the virtual
0: s- happening. You're so right, and I think about that often. That prior to COVID, I-, I have a daughter who's very active in sports and recreational stuff, and then just my own job wouldn't have me out a couple nights of the week. And it does. It's exhausting. And I felt like I was on a hamster wheel constantly running from one place to the next. And even during the course of a workday, when you're traveling to different places for meetings, I think this has taught us it's really not necessary. I really don't miss the hustle and bustle of like looking at my watch constantly and just feeling that added stress and anxiety of of being at this place by this time. So I, I do appreciate that for sure.
1: One thing we've really noticed that is a perk uh, during this difficult time has been the amount of reach and the people that we've been able to connect with in our programs, who previously we would have never been able to have because they were not from the area. So we've found that quite a bit with our Taking Care program, which in case anyone who's listening doesn't know is also a partnership, between us and the CMHA, as well as the Windsor Essex Community Support Fund, so we've been very, very fortunate with that program. It's just been such an overwhelmingly positive response from that program. It is so heartening to see the need for it, the engagement, the complete support that's been going on, even through Zoom. So it's been so clear of how important that supportive environment for creativity is. So. We were wondering if you kind of find the same thing at CMHA and do you find that for the staff who are supporting clients that creativity is often used
0: I do. When the pandemic first hit last March, we quickly pivoted to reaching our clients through phone and and then slowly the virtual piece uh, took hold. And what we found is, yeah, there's always going to be those people that prefer in-person sessions. But Our therapy program has had really great success with virtual visits, and their no-show rates have decreased significantly. So I just, I think it'll be another tool moving forward. Fundraising is part of what I do at CMHA as well. And like so many other organizations, a lot of that would be uh, around events. And when we can't meet in person and bring, you know, hundreds of people together, it's like, okay, now what? And it was last May that we partnered with The Garage Gym and said, okay, well, there's no reason why you can't do a walk or run virtually. Let's let's see what we can do. It was amazing. We had almost a thousand people participating and raised almost $40,000. And that I think was reassuring to us. We thought, okay, well, if we are a little bit creative, we might be able to find success in some of these signature events that we've done annually. And we did, we did that with our Ride Don't Hide event that happened last June. It's gonna be the same this year where you take it upon yourself, You know, might be your small family or your small group of your friends based on what's um, allowed at, at that given time. And yeah, I mean, it's, it doesn't have the same look and feel as what you traditionally would have experienced in that event, but it it was still able to happen and it was rich by what you make it. And then moving forward, we've just really tried to be creative and innovative in our approach. And then on our, on our education side, we moved very quickly to doing virtual sessions. And again, like what you have highlighted, Abby Lee and Michaela is that geography doesn't become a, a barrier anymore. So. For our webinars and sessions, we have, too, uh, seen people from across the province or in the U.S. So, again, being creative and thinking outside the box is really is really exciting and, and can produce some amazing results. So I'm curious, though, with your Taking Care program, I've heard some numbers of how many people you've been getting on those um, sessions. So I want to know what what that looks like. But also, how are you marketing it to to achieve the reach that you're doing?
1: I've got to say, we never expected to have the amount of people that we had for the program. Not because we didn't believe in the program. We really did, but we just weren't sure how many people would come week after week, usually with programs that run as a series you get the most interest the first week and then it kind of tapers off as the weeks go on. What ended up happening though with taking care and this was in part, I think, due to our partnership with the CMHA, we were able to receive some wonderful folks who joined um, due to their connection with CMHA. But the other really lovely part that I think broadened the reach for us was that we received some coverage for the program. I think it would have been maybe a couple of days, even before the program started on CTV News. And it featured Ainsley Winter, who's the art therapist that facilitates the program. She's wonderful. I think if you spend two seconds with Ainsley, you'd want to come back and and see Ainsley again because she's just such a lovely person. And I will say, um, Sophie Hinch, our coworker, she's been really the main cog in the machine to coordinate it from our side. And she's just been doing a marvelous job. And after the news segment came out, she just saw those numbers increase exponentially. I think we had, a, I want to say, around 100 registrants for the first one. And then for the second one, I think it was... Um, it started to get to be so many people registering. I think we had 200 people in total that we ended up having to split it into registering for each session because the Zoom room could only accommodate, I think, about 100. So mm-hmm. um, because of that, we actually had to change the way that people register. It's just been absolutely marvelous to see people coming back every week and just the connection, like we talked about, Kim, the importance of yeah. connection during this time and the support, there's so much love in the room. <laughs> Even though it's over Zoom, you can feel all of the, the good vibes <laughs> that's been said a few times. So it's it's been a really marvelous program to see unfold for sure.
0: That's awesome. Now, what's the age range from people participating? it doesn't
1: really matter your age at all, nor your artistic ability. I mean, Michaela and I think are the first to say we're, we're not visual artists by trade, but that does not at all mean that you can't join in. Honestly, it's folks from kind of all age ranges. We have some folks who are seniors. We have a lot of adults who are coming. We have Uh, young adults as well. The first, I think, couple of weeks we had some families that's kind of what we wanted to see was hopefully a program that wouldn't preclude anyone um, due to age because even though I think age really factors into how people are coping during this time and the different challenges that people are facing, I think people are still all facing challenges regardless of age people from all different walks of life have been joining us in the Zoom room and we're very grateful for it. It sounds like
0: it'll be something that continues beyond what you might have originally hoped for, too or planned for, so that's awesome. Now, the Art Gallery of Windsor, congratulations, was recently voted best gallery in Windsor and Essex. So in normal times, the gallery would foster people coming together and connecting over art. What other things have changed for the gallery during COVID and how have you adapted?
2: We have a lot of online programs, virtual tours, virtual date nights, virtual art making nights together. And once again, you'll see people from all different backgrounds and walks of life at these events. And they're very, very casual. And um, I think they've really done a lot to dispel the elitist image that the gallery used to kind of emanate which is great. And the thing is, also during COVID, and not entirely because of COVID, but also somewhat because of COVID, there was a very big staff turnover over the past year or so. New executive director, new positions being created. So because of that, because of that restructuring, inherently, there is going to be a a kind of different format for the way we conduct our operations. Um, And I think that would have happened regardless of of COVID or not, but really we want to bring fun and and life and heart to the gallery. I think people really appreciate the diversity of art and styles in addition to the diversity of programming and the diversity of the backgrounds that everyone's coming from, both as artists and as participants in our events. That's kind of how things have been adapting. And I know COVID is by no means a positive world event, but you can always look on the bright side and there have been a lot of positive changes. We've done a lot of problem solving and we've we've made the best that we could with the situation. I think things have turned out really well for us at the gallery. I think that's such a good point that you
1: said about cracking the vibe that not everybody is welcome at the gallery, because I think a large part of that and this you know, massive building with these beautiful windows. And there's a lot of light in it. But that being said, because it's so grandiose, I think it would probably be very nervous to go in because of this just kind of massive structure that is holding all of these art pieces that, you know, I might not understand or other people might not understand. So the wonderful thing actually that has come from doing our events virtually is now you don't have to brave the the walls of, of a building that you may not have entered before. Now you're just hanging out with us in your sweatpants on Zoom. And that's a much more casual vibe than attending an in-person event would be at the gallery. Um, there's absolutely value in both. When we go back into the building, I still want to bring in that element of Hanging out on Zoom and wearing your sweatpants, even when we're back in person. I
0: agree. I think, like you said, it makes it so much more accessible. I know just youth are really struggling right now. I hear from high school students in particular that they're really thirsty for those connections and, and ways to come together. So I think some of what you've described is an outlet for them and they could come together with, with their peers. I've also seen some really innovative approaches from galleries over the last year. Have you seen any that you thought were really spectacular in your opinions?
1: i certainly have. I can give a few examples and then I'm also going to throw in a theater example at the end. It's a tough time for sure for for all of the arts and as artists do everyone has continued to create and be creative. There were a couple that really wowed me um, and I guess that's a bit of a pun because the first one is the Adler Planetarium and they are doing this wonderfully quirky series, and it's called the Wow Signal, and it's really all just you kind know, of teaching people about space, about astronomy, in this really fun way. Where they have songs, they have these little episodes. They had this one staff member dress up like an astronaut, like run all over the place, and it's just, it just—it really—it kicked off the whole event, and you know, it really just set the tone because I think during this time we've really been missing that fun and that joy and that levity that comes with a lot of a lot of what the arts can bring and so the fact that they were able to do this series virtually and still make it just so fun and so engaging was was just a delight. And I I listened to a couple of their songs and they're very, very fun. There's one about black holes. I learned a lot about black holes. (laughs) Um, So that, I definitely (laughs) recommend that one. The other one is the Newark Museum. And I went to a couple of their offerings virtually, of course. Uh, They have a terrific escape room. Um, So it's, sorry, the Newark Museum of Art, I should specify. And they have a virtual escape room that is so inventive. I used to work at an escape room, so I'm definitely missing getting to go and do escape rooms. It was so well laid out. There's really an element of interactiveness that the digital format still has that you don't often get with digital escape rooms because usually you're in the room, you're able to touch things, pick things up, move things, all of that. Um, You don't usually get that with the digital formats, but this one really had that where you, you had your phone and you're going through the Zoom escape room and then use your phone to scan QR codes, which then bring you to interactive elements. So like puzzles or objects, and you can interact with those. So um, that was brilliant. And then the theater plug that I have is from this wonderful organization called Outside the March. I registered as a participant for this. I don't know if I could call, I guess it, it would be like a show, but it was completely over the phone and it was called the Ministry of Mundane Mysteries. And it's just, it was amazing what you do. Uh, you fill out your form, you pick from four different task forces I think I picked like the paranormal activity task force and then you give your mundane mystery a name so at the time I was back home and I drew some inspiration just from kind of some things that that go on in your home that you can't quite figure out like there were some where people you know you're always like losing a sock in the dryer so mundane mystery be like the case of the missing sock or the case of the missing tupperware lid or whatnot <laughs> so you you submit that and then Every day for a week at the same time, you get a call from the ministry trying to gauge questions and answers about what's going on. And you can also do it with a different household. So you can get another person on the line with you and you could solve the mystery together. And what was really terrific about it was that I didn't realize they were gonna have different characters. So some days I pick up the phone, I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is the Ministry of Mundane Mysteries, but I'm not entirely sure. And those are my favorite theater experiences where you can't quite tell if it's theater or if it's someone who's gotten your number and you're just, you know, you're going on thinking it's a theater performance, but it's not. So. I'd recommend that to everyone. They somehow managed to incorporate your answers from the previous days into the calls that went on during the week. It was it was amazing.
2: I was just thinking about actually the uh, art olympics that uh, some of the other museums were having or the art olympics. It's actually an idea that we would like to borrow ourselves and maybe partner with another art museum or gallery to do something like that. You'll take two different images of, you know, items in a in a collection or two collections, right? Two galleries collections. And you'll compare them based on one criteria. So which of these two paintings of these two guys are, you know, which one has the best hipster hair? You'll have the audience voting and kind of gauge people's reactions with that. And then it'll move on to the next round until you get your your finalist and then your winner. I thought that was pretty cool. That's kind of a... A fun little side thing for people to check in on every now and again. What crazy art contest is going on today? (laughs) Now, I feel so
0: bad, though, for the performing arts, right? Like, I know they've come up with some things. But I think about those big Broadway productions in New York and elsewhere. And Uh, that that's tough, right? Some things you can't replicate. Same as going to an in-person concert. You can't replicate that energy and the crowd and the good, the bad, and the ugly that comes with that. But that makes me think also of a good thing. I was able to see Hamilton uh, this past summer on Disney Plus. And I I wanted to see it in person. But um, yes, I know Abby Lee is a big fan. Um, (laughs) Yes, and I, I love it. Like, I knew it was good, but I really didn't know a lot about it, which was actually a good thing. But um, I'm like you, I downloaded the soundtrack right away. Uh, I was like listening to it nonstop. I just sat there thinking That someone was able to create that in such a captivating, innovative way, and showcase this story—that I don't know—I was speechless. I just thought it was brilliant.
1: Abby Lee, what did you like best about it? Well, first off, I will say I could talk about this for a while, so I'll try to keep it brief. But (laughs) I initially, um, again, I was I was back home last summer after everything kind of was going wild uh, with COVID, so. One evening we decide okay, we're just gonna watch Hamilton and we started out. he sat in the basement and am looking through and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's almost three hours. Like, there's no way we're gonna watch this, it's just so long. Mm-hmm. I'm like, look, mom, we'll just watch like the first hour. It's you know, there's no way we're gonna make it through the whole thing. Yeah. So we get through the first song, and I'm like, Oh, this is pretty good. You get through the second song, we get to my shop, my shop finishes. I'm like, we are not. I <laughs> we're watching the whole thing I will watch it again with you if you need to but we're doing the whole three hours there's just something about the live performance the wonderment of seeing people come together and sing in harmony it sounds a little cliche but I think in a time that has been I you know I think safe to say pretty divisive that I think any video or performance or really anything that shows people coming together to bring a story to life is just so magical. And at least for me, it never gets old. I got to also say that, wow, just Lin Manuel Miranda, I think it took him several years, but you know, I can't imagine how he figured out, okay, let's take this story about American history. Yes. And we're going to put it to wrap and we're going to have a cast that is almost entirely people of color, which is so amazing to see because I think many, many creative industries, but Broadway certainly has had a problem with its inclusive casting in terms of race and ethnicity. So it was just really, I think what people needed at the time. And I like, clearly All these years later, it's still so engaging. I think that it will continue for many, many years to be engaging. It really speaks to the idea that if you have an idea that you think is completely outlandish, it could very well be the most brilliant idea you've come up with, because I can only imagine how many people just laughed at him when he said he wanted to make a rap musical about one of the founding fathers. (laughs) he's probably laughed out of so many rooms and then oh. all of those folks who said no were are probably you know really kicking themselves. Kim, I'm curious what about you? What have you been really finding that's been keeping you engaged in the realm of film, TV, musicals etc these days and uh, (laughs) what, what do you recommend for us
0: i always try to watch all of the oscar nominated movies every year so this year they have not yet happened because of covid so i'm in the process and one of my favorite movies of the last few years is promising young woman i also just watched sound of metal as well phenomenal just really takes you inside of what it would be like to lose your hearing, and then I saw a really interesting. It's actually nominated for best documentary piece too. Um, the Octopus Teacher. It's about this man's journey and and relationship that he forms with an octopus of all things, and I thought. I would be bored to tears, but I watched it and it's mesmerizing. I'm also trying to do some more reading, which ebbs and flows. But Michaela, what are some of your picks? What, what, what are like some really good ones right now?
2: For novels, I'm I'm always in the middle of about a, a bazillion of them. You'll never catch me reading just one at a time. I don't necessarily read with what's on trend or whatever's on the New York Times bestseller list at the time. I kind of just figure out what mood I'm in and then sort of go from there. I find that Personally, I always tend to return to fairy tales from different cultures, whether it's the actual fairy tales themselves or full length novels that are based on fairy tales. There seems to be like some sort of, you know, perpetual truths that kind of echo through through all of them. And I guess that's because fairy tales are sort of based on our our collective consciousness as as humans, themes and, and issues that are common to us throughout the ages and across cultures. Uh, and based on my background in folklore, after having that education, I I see things now in these stories that I might not have realized otherwise in the ways that they're, uh, reflective of of people's beliefs and values? Uh, what does it say that some fairy tales are still being retold over and over again while others have kind of fallen by the wayside? Uh, what does it mean when people take a fairy tale that was, you know, misogynistic and they flip it on its head so that it's completely the opposite, uh, you know, like a feminist work? I'm going to use this chance to talk about a novel by um, a Canadian author E.K. Johnson, A Thousand Nights, it's called. It's a YA novel, but it's really interesting because it takes place in this kind of fictional Middle Eastern-based world, and it's based on the 1001 Nights, also known as the Arabian Nights. And in the original story, there's this king who catches his wife cheating on him and plotting to kill him with her lover. So he sentences them both to death, and okay, like, fair enough. You know, they were plotting his assassination. But then after that he decides that he'll never be able to trust another woman again but as the king he must have a wife so he says that he'll take one different wife every night and come the morning he'll kill her so that she doesn't have enough time to plot against him and so this goes on and on for who knows how long before one of the noble women in his kingdom stands up and says i will marry him voluntarily no one has to be picked instead of me and what she does to keep herself alive is she tells him stories and leaves them off on cliffhangers every night so that he has to keep her alive for another day and he can hear the end of the story but the story never ends and then after 1001 nights of her telling these stories or this one never ending story to him, he found that he's fallen in love with her and he, he learns to trust again. And what does she get for all of this? She gets to marry a murderer, someone who was willing to to kill her before he got to know her, uh, who was willing to kill a bunch of other innocent women just so that he could keep a wife without the risk of betrayal. And so in this retelling, essentially what happens is a uh, woman does step in voluntarily to save her sister in this case. Her sister was going to be picked. She volunteered to go in her sister's place. This generated such uh, awe from all the other women in her village, like who would step in and voluntarily want to go off to die. And they started to pray for her and to do these acts of devotion for her. And because this is a magic realism novel, these prayers and these acts of devotion by the women in her community infused her, you could say, with the sort of power to make her like a living saint or a living god and through the powers of these other women being transferred to her through their devotion and their intentions, she was able to stay alive there's there's some really interesting concepts in there like none of the female characters have names the male Mm. characters have names but the females don't because it doesn't matter their lives are disposable anyway the men in the kingdom do nothing about this king they do nothing to depose him because he's a, a good ruler in terms of trade and Other things that matter most to the men, things that matter more to them than the women do. And so it shows that women's issues have no place in in this world. It's a really interesting concept, just as an example of a a fairy tale that's been twisted to retain some of its old meaning, but also infuse it with with new meaning as well. I just really think it's interesting how those things reflect our culture as, as human beings. You're right. Kim, what's coming down the
1: pipe for you for the CMHA. Is there anything coming up soon that you're really looking forward to?
0: Yeah, there's a few things. May is mental health month. So we have a couple of speakers. The the one that we've announced and are highlighting is Mark Hennick on May the 4th. And he's a mental health advocate, has a very powerful story. So it'll be on zoom, but we're doing our best to make it an experience. So there's that happening. Our ride don't hide event is happening in June. We're partnering with Tim Hortons on like a restaurant outing that you can do in May corporate challenge is happening this year. This event would usually bring hundreds of people together a great team building exercise where it's like obstacle courses, but they also had challenges for your brain as well, equally challenging. And they would do it in this big park, Well, obviously that can happen, but they are coming up with other challenges that you can do in smaller teams uh, from a distance. So that is happening in June. You'll hear more about that. And we're excited because the funds raised from that are going to go towards creating a youth wellness hub for Windsor and Essex County. We are moving forward with partners, including Hotel Duke Grace Healthcare to make that come to fruition for this region, because We really need it. We we know our youth were struggling pre-pandemic and it's only exacerbated some of that isolation and those like stress, anxiety. So I'm looking forward to seeing that brought to fruition. And what about at the art gallery? What's happening?
1: So it seems like there's always a million things going on at the gallery. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can say we're going to have a lot of art and wellness programming coming down the pipe. Mm. So we have um, actually one thing that has been just published I think this past week is coming in uh, April after the Easter break. We're going to start with a mindful Mondays program. So that's really going to focus on kind of just starting your week off because Mondays you can kind of just get thrown into the work week and it can feel really hectic. So with mindful Mondays, we're hoping to just be that calm, you know, reassuring, friendly presence that can hop in at noon during your work day on the lunch break and just say, hey, like, let's, let's take it easy. Let's, you know, go through some mindful breathing. We're going to do some slow looking at artworks, and then you can kind of get back into your day. We also have going on our coworker, worker just a wonderful burst of energy, Derek Carl Biso, is running a Thrive program, which is a drop-in arts programming for youth. It's a focus on um, kind of 2SLGBTQ plus youth and pals, as Derek affectionately calls it. So it's like a really friendly gathering space for teens, youth, young adults to just join in, do some art making and really connect with each other. So those are some things coming up uh, in 2021 should be somewhat specific
2: and somewhat vague. Michaela, is there anything that you want to add? Uh, yeah, actually a couple of things. So um, first of all, we've been doing lightning talks with community creators over the past three months. So short panels featuring local creators all from one industry. And they're now visible on, on YouTube and on Facebook. January with muralists. February was chefs and bakers. Just yesterday, we had one with jewelry makers, um, and I, I was hosting the events, but from now on, Abby Lee is going to be hosting those events, so the last Thursday of every month is when they take place, so April's going to be craft brew makers, we have some other surprises coming up for subsequent months, and it's just a, a nice webinar that lasts an hour or two, uh, and there's opportunities for the audience to ask questions to the panelists, So I was just going to say, be completely remiss not to mention
1: the Windsor-Essex Triennial of Contemporary Art. The date currently is still to be announced, but we do have five conversations with artists from the triennial that are coming up from April to the beginning of June. And all of the artists have so much admiration for all of the work that We've seen so far the installations are coming along so nicely. I've seen some pictures of the the exhibitions that are going up and they just look so striking. So I'm really looking forward to hopefully being able to welcome people safely in person to the gallery to be able to see these and then also the conversations will be happening virtually so hopefully we'll get to have this lovely hybrid space Mm -hmm. uh, going on throughout the next few months all focused around these really wonderful artists that are having their works grace our gallery and some lively conversations as well.
0: I love it. I'm really captivated by all of it. This has been
1: awesome. Thank you. Thank well, thank you. thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for listening to Start Talking. We hope that you keep talking about all of the things that we've spoken about today and all of the art in our local Windsor-Essex community, even long after our podcast episode is over. If you're interested in finding out more about the Art Gallery of Windsor, you can find us on our website at www.agw.ca or you can follow us on social media at agw401. Have a great day everyone, stay safe and be well.